Wow. Just wow. Did you guys see that last night? It was incredible. The new season of Ancient Aliens was out of this world. Literally. I mean, the revelations and the knowledge bombs they dropped were just nuclear. I mean, this stuff was like from governments. It was all on cover-ups. It was all... I can't even go into it. You just got to watch History Channel, Ancient Aliens, new season, two hours of alien conspiracy goodness. Greatest television ever. I mean, my external viewing screen was just screaming with goodness. I was I was freaking out. I mean, it was just so good. I'm 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 on the floor still today. I'm on the floor. If you're not watching, you're missing out. But what you are doing is listening to Frank from Sniper's Hide and this is the Everyday Sniper. Mike is off breaking up dog fights. We haven't quite confirmed whether or not any fingers were used in dogs' bottoms, but I have a feeling there might have been one or two. Uh, apparently in his little area there, his little subdivision, there was a massive, like, you know, pack of dog attack, and, and Mike had to go out and save the neighborhood. So uh, Mike's over there cleaning up the mess from the dog fight. Hopefully he's washing his hands. Just a quick reminder, if you go into Mile High to talk to Mike, fist bumps, not handshakes. No chocolate pretzels, please. Anyway, I want to uh, go with this episode. <laughs> Got to crack myself up. <laughs> and, and, and no, I wasn't drinking last night, okay? I'm watching good stuff. These are true facts. I mean, remember, I trained the men in black. I'm into it. I'm on the inside. Just because you're not doesn't mean it's not real, all right? Let's look at the odds. I, I, I brought this up. I was down in Argentina, and one of the guys who took the class down there Hi, Argentina guys. His wife was a space weather scientist. So she studied weather in space and different things like that. And she actually worked here in Colorado because we have a big uh, aerospace. Uh, they did stuff with the Mars rovers and all that, our simulcast through parts of Colorado. So we're, we're pretty big into that aerospace industry out here. So she had actually come here. So I had mentioned a few things about the aliens and, and she looked at me with her typical, you know, liberal scientist down the end of her nose. And I just said to her, you're a scientist. Statistics. What are the odds? It's just us. And of course, they have no comment. The, the odds are impossible. So there you go. I'm playing the numbers games for you guys who aren't. Get on board or get left behind. Uh, so this is the Everyday Sniper, and I want to talk about uh, a conversation that comes up all the time. I mean, they read it in the books, they figure, they're all trying to add it up and add it up, and that's the spindrift stuff again, because it's kind of coming back around. There's a post in the ELR section of the beer pit. No, beer pit. What am I even going there? There's a post in the ELR section on Sniper's Hide, and it's an older one, but we've had epic discussions with uh in regards to spindrift because the books say one thing the real world says another there's something in the middle that goes on and from an instructor seeing the shooter and focusing in being a fundamentals guy we see it as as a fundamental problem spindrift might be x but people are adding y to it and in this case y is bigger than x and 
you'll see that they'll dial for that and think that it's them. I mean, we, we I, I think I mentioned this before. We had a class of 20 shooters all using the same rifle system, rifle type. You know, of course, there's going to be variations. And they're all shooting the same ammo, more or less, government class, right? So everybody in this class but one guy was left-handed. And we were shooting 1,000 yards off the tower. We had everybody lined up, and we're just going down the line shooting. An interesting thing happened. So the average hold, we'll say, for this 308 at 1,000 yards under these conditions was like, you know, two and a half mils. That was about the correct win hold. But we saw anything from three and a half mils being used to 1.5 mils being used. So if we look at this, we have a 1.5 to a 3.5 swing in win holds between a single left-handed shooter and the single left-handed shooter was the low 1.5 to as much as 3.5. But if you took the straight win speed, the correct hold would be roughly in that 2.5 area, okay? So, you, you know, people are saying, well, you need X amount for spin drift. You need a minute. You need a minute. And I've always advocated that that minute was an arbitrary flat rate number that they felt won't hurt you, but has a potential to still help you. They kind of average it out and that's where it gets thrown in. And, you know, if they want to be tricky with it, they'll base that minute off of time of flight. They'll look at the the, the work that was done. And again, guys, understand this point. Press it home. This information they're using is like 75 years or more old. A lot of the formulas that are being used for your software today originated in 1950s, okay? This is 1950 tech that we're now just continuing and people will stomp their fingers or stomp their feet and, you know, snap their fingers at us and say, no, it's right, it's right, it's right, it's right. There, there were some, you know, Aberdeen, Picatinny Arsenal tests Dude, they were testing 30 cals at 2550 with a really shitty bullet back in the day. And they said our number was a minute. Okay, what a crappy 30 cal. Well, you know, so this comes around every other week. Somebody will ask about spin drift. They'll either read about it. They'll see it in their ballistic calculator. Somebody will tell them they have to dial it. Whatever the case may be. And my biggest problem is most people are adding to it. So it gets multiplied. It becomes its own personal little game of telephone. So it it, it comes around again and the conversation comes up. And I've had epic debates with guys like Brian Litz and stuff over this public. Out there you can find it. And so everybody laughs. And then there was the poem that I gave you yesterday or the last podcast was the Ode to Frank poem about the spin drift with the fairies. Right? Well, then Jim comes on, Boatwright, who's doing the coning theory. He's doing a lot of work, and he's trying to take a modern slant to it. And he drops the knowledge bomb that spin drift is a very, what a jacketed bullet. Now, he, he, he differentiates the two. You got a solid bullet, and you got a jacketed bullet, okay? And a jacket, we're just going to go with a copper jacket, lead core, and a solid is some, you know, the most of the solids, the good ones, the Warner tool, your cutting edge, they're a copper solid. 
Um, you know, let's not talk about the alloys that have the brass and then in the in the the different nickel brass ones that are gold. There's all those out there, but we're just talking solid bullet versus jacket. So Jim says two percent variation based on your drop. So your drop to target, two percent of that is drift. Now there's a BC factor to that. So to clarify that number, and, and you guys may need to kind of write some stuff down or go back and re-listen to this because I'm going to start throwing numbers at you because numbers make me sound smarter, right? So he's basically saying that, the, you know, it's some variation of 2.5. So one of the guys, uh, uh, Skookum there, he posted some stuff. So if your BC in G1 is 0.80, it's a 2% drift. If it's 0.7 variation, it's 2.1. 0.6 variation, 2.2. 0.5, 2 2.3. These are percents. And 0.4 BC is 2.4%. So your 308 would be about a 2.4% drift. Your 6.5 would be about a 2.2% drift, okay? However, then, he qualifies it that solids are half of that. 1 to 1.5%. One Okay, I got an issue with this and I'm going to and I'm going to come around to it. So if if a jacketed bullet is a 2% drift and a solid is a 1% drift, my first question would kind of be is why the frig are we shooting the same damn jacket technology and lead core bullets like we always have and I'm going to come around to that, but I want to go with some of my numbers that I played with. I mean, this is going to be a bit of a discussion here. So here's what I did. I said, okay, let's take a fraction of 2%. Prime, 130 grain ammo. There's a sale on Prime right now, guys. Good segue. Prime ammo has an NRA sale. It's worth going, if you want to try Prime, get more Prime, never use Prime and want to give it a go, all their ammo's on sale for the NRA show. So get over to Prime Ammo, go over to their website. If you're a first-time buyer, Jim will call you and say thank you. They're, they're, it's really good stuff. I'm a monster fan of Prime. I mean, I shoot a metric ton of Prime. I'm in excess of 10,000 rounds plus a year, getting closer to 20 of just Prime. So I took my Prime ammo data. 130 grain Prime, 2,800 feet per second, which is relatively conservative speed-wise. It's closer to 29. So, and I'm going to show you this because normally your thousand yard dope with a 6.5 rifle nowadays is 7 mils, 7.2 mils to, in this case, my data for a 130 grain prime would be 8 mils of drop to a thousand yards, which for you MOA guys, that's about 27 MOA. Okay. If I use Jim's data that says 2%, a variant of 2%, I get... For spin drift at a thousand yard with my 130 prime going 2800, 0.176 mils. So 0.1 mil, if you round it, you can go to 0.2 if you round it up. If you round it down, it's just 0.1. Okay, the 7.6 just tells you it's closer to 2 than 1, which gives me 0.59 MOA. You got a half mil, you got either one tenth a mil. You either have a half MOA of adjustment or what would be the equivalent of six inches at a thousand yards. So that bullet, according to them, under their conditions for a, I used the figure of 2.2 for a five, 
uh, 0.585 BC. So my percentage was 2.2. So that's giving me six inches of drift. I put that all, and in fact, I've been playing with more and more, and I'm going to talk about this some more after this conversation, the Garmin Fortrek 701 with AB in it. So I'd been walking around the block, took the dog out and the whole thing and was wearing it and, and doing some other stuff, but I have data put into it. It's giving me 2.1 mils of spin drift for the same 8 mil hold at 1,000 yards. So it's saying that it's 7.2 inches versus 5.9 or 6 inches, okay? So it's literally double instead of, unless you round it up, instead of 0.176, it's 0.21. So it's almost double what Jim's percentage says. Okay, but now... Let's go to my Warner Tool 122 grain bullet. I take my data from that, and it's on Sniper's Hide. You can look it up. My 1,000 yards is 6 mils of adjustment with a 122 grain Warner Tool solid. If I use what he's saying is 1.2% of drift to reach 1,000 yards, it's 072 or a quarter MOA of spin drift. So it's less than one mil, point, point 0.1 mil, means I can't dial it unless I round up. Or if I have a quarter minute scope, it's a quarter minute. So what this would do is this would mean that my solid drift is less than three inches at a thousand yard, but my prime 130 is six inches at a thousand yards because it's a jacketed bullet. Okay, so my question is, and, and I'm going to go back to the conversation I had with Hornaday about the lead cores. They're telling me, uh, right? Guys are telling me where they see the problem is not the jacket as much. Okay, there is a difference in what jacket's thicker, what jacket's thinner. You know, a burger, a hunting, something. Burgers are known to have a thinner copper jacket. Like Lapua has a thicker jacket. So when they overspun the 260s for the military, they used a seven twist and a longer barrel. They they had issue with the 130 burger, so they went to the 136 Cenar. Why? Because of jacket tech. But is it the jacket? If a Warner tool is a solid made of copper and the jacket is a solid made of copper, the dis difference difference the difference is the lead core. And so my explanation or the explanation that was given to me, and I agree, and the explanation we've discussed with Bartland barrels, because understand with Bartland, and this conversation goes back to their bench rest people and their F class people. Okay, they're looking for maximum accuracy. And if something's not right in a barrel, they're shipping it back and they're having all that, you know, this barrel's not right. Bartland started saying, let me see the bullet. So they want whatever bullets you didn't shoot to be sent with the barrel they feel might have an issue. And Bartland's saying, on a lot of these cases, a majority, in fact, it's the bullet that's the issue. We've all seen that there's been bullet recalls, okay? That bullets get, you know, have defects have or something. So now, if every barrel manages that bullet and how it comes out of the bore different, 
we can have deformations to the shape in the lead core. It's not the engraving in the rifling because they're not using that as a qualifier with any of this discussion. There is no 5R does this, and, and I'm sure there is. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm sure they're, they're, all these things are factors, but they're not qualifying it with that. So if we're taking 50s data and we're taking data up to recent times where nobody's checking like this stuff and they're just saying 2% for a jacket, 1% for a solid, well, it's the lead because we know that that can move and shift and change the shape. Now, and, and I'm going to go back to a story I mentioned. Oakwood Tech does the acoustic targets that are computer controlled and you can go out, you can group, you could do this. Well, there's a lot of horsepower behind the Oakwood Tech target systems. If you guys are here listening to me and you got any links to the military, the high-speed people, they have Oakwood Tech stuff on military bases too. And what that means is high-speed units can shoot downrange, look at what happens on the Oakwood Tech and they can take that target back. And re- or read it back at the shooter on the computer. Well, I get a call from one of the engineers at Oakwood Tech that they're noticing with the 77 grain 556 big weird swings in BC like numbers. When they're trying to true up and get muzzle velocity and play with the BC, they're seeing this weird big swing, like not cool. So then they go down range because Oakwood's targets use like a paper type of target. And what they're able to do is look at where the tip of the circle is. Is it centered? And if you're shooting like Hornaday bullets now and you shoot steel, go shoot one round at your piece of steel. Then what I want you to do is go down range and look at it if you're shooting a Hornaday, right? You can see the polymer tip in the splash, so I can go, like I do this all the time. I'll go down range and I'll see a bunch of hits on target and I'll go, oh, okay, this one's yours. You're shooting a Hornaday. I'm shooting a, this. And here, this is your shot. That's my shot. Because I can tell the difference looking at my piece of steel, which one was hit by a polymer tip and which one wasn't. Okay. So Oakwood Tech engineers telling me they're noticing not all the bullets are hitting and flying straight. Run out. Okay. And, and, Frank Green has brought up run out and all this stuff. So how that bullet leaves the bore, the run out in the cartridge, all this stuff will say how it's going to fly. So now what I'm saying to the you and to them, your data's corrupt. You're giving me information and you're telling me my spin drift is a minute and your data's corrupt. You're not looking at it in a perfect situation. You're looking at it in, in, a, in a skewed way where you may have a barrel that doesn't, it, it's not kind of complementary to the bullet you're shooting or to the load. What that would do, lower your BC for that particular rifle, give you inconsistencies in muzzle velocity. I'm sure we've all seen loads and things with a bigger SD than another. It's a factor. Right, And then, depending on that rifling and what's going on within the individual bullet, if there's any core shift or any core deformation, it's going to fly unbalanced and give it an appearance of run out, give it an appearance of wobble, give it an appearance of, the, of all these things that are kind of going in. 
Well, compound that with today, we're shooting longer bullets, we're shooting different designs, we're shooting all this stuff. And as somebody brought up, one of the guys brought up that with these longer bullets, your bubble underneath, your air pressure bubble to how that yawn pitches, okay? Because Jim does the coning formula. If I just take it and say 308, 30 cal, here's your number, you know, 2550, 1970s data from Aberdeen. Well, that area of high-low pressure on the bullet, which helps with spin drift, which adds to it, it's not going to be smaller because the meat plats are better, smaller, tighter, right? All these things, so your air pressure is going to be slightly different because the bullet design is different. So there is a way. So here's my thing. If if it's some variation of 2% of drift, which is great information, your drop elevation, 2% with a jacketed bullet, a variation of that will tell you where your spin drift goes. Okay, sounds good. If it can go up, why can't it go down? Like, I'm going to give you an example. That Tika and all the stuff that I just did. When I trued it and did the ballistics and everything for um, the 136 CNR, my BC was higher than advertised. So guess what? Now that number goes down. Because my BC, everything's working out better. If I run the numbers for that 260 with a 1 in 7, that's the 20 inch where I'm getting the 2850 out of it with a 136 where I have the BC higher than advertised. Well, now my drift percentage came down. Where's that? Doesn't exist. He's just talking about it now. I've been arguing for 10 years that these numbers don't align to the real world. And everybody laughs that Frank's just combative and, and you know, Frank's, Frank's being Frank. Frank's troublemaking. You know, he's doing whatever. He just wants to argue with people. No, I don't see it. If it was the same for every, if it was the, the, the science the way they claim, it would be the same for everybody. But if these facts mean barrels matter, bullets matter, all this, look at all the stuff Hornaday did with their Doppler. They're telling us a muzzle brake matters in the curve. They're telling us a powder matters in the curve. They're telling us all these different things matter. So now you're telling me this flat rate number for spin drift is good. And again, they go back to it's good enough for what we do. Except for the fact we're doing more better. So I want this. And here's my thing, man. I'm trying to get you to think. I want you to think about this stuff. I want other people to think about it. I don't want us to just do the same thing we've always done because that's how we've always done it. Think about it. There's some guys coming out there. And then I found like jacketed material. I found compounds because I went up and I, and I went farther. I said I looked up the densities of lead versus copper. Okay. And I have a density chart posted on there. ELR section, sniper's hide form, spin drift conversation. And in one of the web pages I found... There is a lead alternative. Everybody wants to get away from lead. Lead's harmful to the environment. Lead causes problems. If you shoot too much lead in your range, you got issues with the Environmental Protection Agency, yada, yada, yada. Well, here's some stuff that's a replacement lead compound. Techion. 
T-E-C-H-N-O-N, and it's a registered trademark. Techion offers many advantages to compounders because it has a spear weedle. It's a spear grain. It's they, They're doing spearioidal. Yeah, it's a spear. It's a circle. Grain structure. This makes it faster and easier to mix. Okay, so it, it, it it's it's a ball powder. Can save energy during the mixing process because it were it, it moves easier. It's it's a it's it's a bunch of balls, big balls. It has tap density of eleven point seventy five grain cc, which is higher than the density of lead. So lead is in my of course my picture is small right now, so I can't really see it. Oh, log me in here. All right. So my so lead would be eleven point three six. Copper would be eight point nine six. This uh, Tekon powder is saying that it's eleven and three quarter. Compounds containing this Tekion are easier to inject and better to protect the injection machinery. So they work better for injection machineries, which means it should be cheaper. Okay. Techion has large particle sizes, opening the door to many new applications, uses, and formulations, which are otherwise protected by patents. So you don't have to worry about it using this guy's stuff. What are, and, and he writes this, not me, what are some lead replacement applications for this new material? Number one was ammunition. Projectiles and shot. It's out there. Why aren't we using it? Okay, if we can get something that's denser, that doesn't deform, where a jacket can perform. Because let's look at it this way. Let's take target shooting. Let's throw hunting out the door right now. Pretend it doesn't exist. The only kind of shooting in the world right now while you're listening to me is target shooting. All we care about is the cons- consistency, the concentric nature the, the, the balance in the formation of that bullet after it leaves the barrel. It has to be exactly how it was before it left the barrel, really, in a lot of ways. If we're doing a target bullet, then a target bullet should be of a higher standard and doesn't need to expand and open up and do all the things that jacketed bullets are meant to do because they're designed around hunting. So why not go more towards, because solids do a hell of a friggin' thing. Solids are kind of evil in a lot of ways. That's why there's a lot of people, F-Class International, you can't use a solid. Why? Because it's better. You know, there's hunting applications for solids. Why? Because it's better. You know, that kind of stuff. But the downside is it tends to be more expensive because it has to be machined. And they just don't kind of press it out it's not injection like they're talking about but if there's alternatives to lead and we can control how that moves under the jacket or doesn't winning right so in this conversation man if you want to figure out the spin drift for your particular rifle for your particular load you would get some type of percentage based off of that BC number and that that 2 to 2.4 is probably not too bad to play with. But then taking your muzzle velocity and your drop and all your information, you would use your drop, right? What is your actual drop at 1,000 yards 
and that will give you what the closer to better would be. And you'll notice the number is a fair measure smaller than advertised. A fair measure smaller than the programs are giving you. We're talking like three inches less. That's significant. If you know you're you're in that three, I don't I don't care if it's one and a half inches less. That's still a significant amount when we're talking, you know, such small numbers. It's a big percentage. It's like twenty percent, man. That they're off. If I told you you were I was going to give you data that was twenty percent to the bad, you'd be like, why would I use it? But yet that's what we're doing every day when you turn. Spindrift and Coriolis on, you're a measure that far off. The only thing is they're hoping that in some way it's helping you because odds are you're a right-handed shooter. You have a right hand pull to your trigger press and you're adding a little extra in a shooter drift. You know, and I posted this too. It's pretty funny. I had said, I'm going to go up a few. So I said, so, you know, we, we have guys here that are looking at this where there's three inches of actual spin drift and another six inches of shooter drift or trigger control errors. So everybody's calling it good because we're fixing your your fundamental problem versus actually doing this. You know, the fact that they use really crappy bullets back in the day to test this stuff, barrel manufacturing, I'm sure, wasn't up to par like it is now. And even today probably could be improved on a little bit. But I mean... If I took a, if I said, listen, I want you to go pull a, a 1978 rifle off the shelf, and I want you to shoot it against one of these, like a Bartland barrel, it would be night and day. So why are we taking data from the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s and calling it good today when we have so much great technology? You know, it it, it just drives me a little bit bonkers with this, but it's good enough thing. So that's my. That's my frank rant on the on the spin drift stuff. Go take a look at it. It's interesting. I mean, the, the, honestly, I would probably tell you just by my own experience and, and, and a little bit of ad lib in here. If you wanted to figure it out correctly, I would use 1.75. I would say, especially if you're shooting 6.5 or 6 millimeter, I would say 1.75% of your drop is your drift. And... That's what it is. So the fact that they're saying it's 2% of this equation or less is like, that's why we tell you it's lost in the noise of wind calls, right? You're, you're, you're trying to figure out a 2% error in, in your, when your wind drift is so much more. And, and that's where I'm going to go. But uh, getting back to the Garmin stuff, um, it, it's kind of interesting. I, I think they should... I like the size. I like the feel. I like the controls of the Garmin, uh, the the 701. I I think it's it's. I like the bigger screen for sure and what it does. Uh, it's a little cheaper. It's it's a if you go with a Kestrel 5700 Elite with with no link, no Bluetooth. It's the same price. If you get a Bluetooth link with a Kestrel, it's a hundred dollars more. And if they can get the Garmin, and I talked to them about this because they asked me how I was doing with it and they wrote me and, and, and so the Garmin people reached out to me. If Garmin can pair this with a Weatherflow Bluetooth weather meter, because these have Bluetooth and all that stuff, if these things can pair with 
a weather flow weather meter that you can hold. Boom, like the one that comes with the SIG and the whole thing. No brainer, man. $60 weather flow. So now you're still less than a Kestrel, but you get all that stuff. So you're like you're like at 675 instead of 700. You know, 25 bucks. Yeah, but it's 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 a little bit more user friendly. It's it's a little bit more as you need it and you can wear it like your armbar and do all that stuff with it. And heck, even if you wanted to um you probably cuz there's some velcro part to it, you probably can velcro on like spin it and velcro your uh your DRS to it and stuff like that, your e-dope card or whatever, you can put it and you wouldn't feel the difference. It would it would work out pretty well, but I I'm I'm digging on the Garmin. It's a good Kestrel option. If you're a guy who, who doesn't want to do that and you're going to input the wind anyway or, or you're going to just figure it out, I mean, maybe where you are, you're not doing a whole lot of wind constantly. Um, I think the Garmin's a, a decent deal, man. It, it's a good price. And uh, also to go, and I want to talk Spinger, uh, not spin. I'm reading my stuff again. I want to talk uh, software that... I just talked with the guys over at Revic. And Revic is the the scope it, again it, you may have saw my video it's pretty popular there's a Revic scope the uh PMR428 so it's a 4 to 28 power looks just like your Vortex Razor but it has the toolless windage it's got the HUD up in the top third it's got the software links with uh Gunworks and um Revic software which is actually very good when I first did it uh, no truing or anything. I put it in and it's on. It's only off a little bit at 1500, 14, 1500. It was like 10 yards at 1400. It was 25 yards different at 1500. But otherwise, it's it's damn good without anything, just raw data in. But it, it, it can run as a regular scope. It can run as a, as a MOA version scope, because right now the only variant is MOA. The mill version has come. Like I said, I had a great conversation with Aaron over there. Um, you know, we, we were talking for about an hour yesterday about this. And, and so the, the MRAD version is coming, but the MOA version's out. And I secured a Sniper's Hide group buy for you to get a pretty good discount on a PMR 4 28 uh, MOA version, software, the whole thing, ready to go. It's going to be less than 2400 bucks, or right at 2400 bucks, which I think retail is like 2800 So I'm getting you like a, a $400 discount on the PMR. If you're in the market for a scope, if you like the idea of software, if you, and, and the thing is, it does weather, so it knows when the weather changes. The only thing you have to do is wind. You have to man if either you're going to hold and do your own wind, or you can put a a, a a value in manually to give you a call within the in the HUD. But you still have to manage your wind. It doesn't do the wind part of it, or there isn't. It'll do the wind you input. It doesn't externally grab the wind. I, I guess is a better way of putting it. So I'm finding it's a great scope, man. It works really good. They took a proven design. In, in in going to the the company that makes the the same as the razor, you know they did their updates inside. It's got the software, it's got the interfaces and the connections. It's a really elegant. It works like a scope if you don't put the battery in. 
it's the the controls are really elegant and out of the way. It works off a single AAA battery. You know, that's like in the magnification ring. It almost acts like a cattail. And then it's got the keypad on the side where the parallax is. It's almost like you're working with a um illuminated reticle. All that stuff. And and honestly, it's a good scope at 2400 bucks. It's a steal. If you want to impress your friends, and I get it, it's MOA. It's a good reticle. Reticle's good. But it's MOA. If you're an MOA guy and you want to really kind of go out there. And the nice thing is, if you set it up, it works by range. All you have to do is dial the range. You don't even have to have dope. You just dial the range you're going to shoot. And when the HUD says that far of a target, you press the trigger and hit it. Um, You know, it's it's awesome that way. You can put it into MOA mode. So you could say, I need this MOA, that MOA, this MOA. And it'll read out an MOA. But you could put it into range mode. And then all you have to do is you tap a target and it says it's, you know, 837 yards. You dial the turret till the HUD says 837, hold center and press, you know, not including the wind, just elevation wise. And it works. So I I got a deal that's going to be happening really soon. There's going to be a PMR uh, group by discount for Sniper's Hide members. Okay. It's going to be on an everyday Sniper members. So if you listen to the Everyday Sniper, if you're on Sniper's Hide, there's going to be a discount on that. So um, I'm really appreciative of that. We're going to have some stuff, some codes and things for the Sniper's Hide Team Challenge on it as well. I I secured some decent codes and stuff for the Team Challenge. I I got a few other people. Leopold's coming to the Team Challenge and is going to step up. There's going to be some stuff from Leopold. Uh, I talked to the Revit guys. We got Nikon guys. You know, there's a bunch of, of people that are that are coming around. And, and I really, really do think the idea of the discount codes. And here's the thing, man. I say discount codes for everybody. But all, almost everybody is stepping up for something to complement it. Okay? So it's not a case of, you know... All or nothing, as these people frame it. You know, I'm such a, uh, like, they they act like I'm an absolutionist, you know. It's all or nothing. It's either a discount code and fuck you or nothing and no prizes and no this. Rob, right? It's like all or nothing. All, you're you're, you're deluding, no, they're giving up other stuff, man. It's going to be a code for the, the field so you can, you know, everybody has access to discounts on products, but then there'll be some prizes to give out. Not a lot, but enough to sprinkle the field with stuff. That's the thing, man. I'm not all or nothing. I'm saying there has to be balance. You have to support these companies in order to keep them viable within the sport. If it's give me, give me, give me, they're not going to sustain. You know what I mean? With every, If there's 50 matches and everybody wants 1000 bucks, that's $50,000. They need three times that return on investment to make money back. So if all they're doing is giving a prize that goes to a top guy that then sells it, it gets diluted because it doesn't have the same message and meaning. If I win the prize on Sunday and I go, wow, this is great. I didn't expect to win it. How awesome. I could use it. I'm going to put it on my rifle because I took what I can use off the prize table. I put it on my rifle and use it. The next time I go to the match, when I'm sitting around talking to everybody, guess what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, man, I won this scope. Look how great it is. Oh, yeah, I'm using it. I love it. Greatest thing, especially because it was free. You know, whatever the case may be. 
But if I sell it on Monday, the guy who buys it doesn't care. He bought it. He might have bought it at a discount from you, but he still bought it. He doesn't go, oh, Leopold gave this to, you know, Sniper's Hide Cup, and, you know, that guy won it and then sold it to me on the hide, and I got it. It loses that impact. It loses that value. It loses that personal marketing by you, and that's what they're paying for, okay? You know, if the if if the Monday morning photograph you put up of something you took off a prize table is to sell it, it loses the impact of the Monday morning photograph of a guy going, Woohoo! Look what I won! Woohoo! Look what I got! That's... Oh, then people are happy for you. If you just say, hey, I bought that. Oh, okay, that's cool. You bought it. You know, that's my point. I'm getting people to think. It's not this... You know, because a guy said it the other day, yesterday on, on there. Oh, it's just Frank being an ass or, you know, bitching about stuff. It's just Frank bitching. Like as if I'm just bitching for the point of bitching. As if I don't offer solutions. If I don't pra- As if I don't practice what I preach. I don't put it into play in some way. I'm trying. What are you doing? You're crickets, man. All you're doing is out there chirping away, chirping away, chirping away. But the reality is you ain't doing shit. And yeah, I'm telling you that. So there you go. But um, nah, that's funny. And then you walk by him and they all shut them and they don't say nothing. Like I, he came on and said that I was being a bitch about, just, he's just bitching, just ignore him. He's just bitching. And I came out and said something and I'd been talking to a whole bunch of companies and this is what they're feeding back and telling me. And I'm like, who have you spoke to? Tell me who you talk to that counters what I'm saying. Nothing. Cricket goes quiet. Soon as you stand over them, they shut the fuck up. Anyway, there you go, guys. That's my that's my deal. But I, I really like looking at this stuff. I have a passion for it. I'm looking and and I'm putting numbers out there. I'm putting data out there. I'm putting all this stuff out there, and really, it's 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 working out well for everybody. So, all right, guys. Frank from the Everyday Sniper. Hope you guys are enjoying. Thank you for the reviews. Thank you for the shares. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for playing along when you do play along. <laughs> the ones who don't get the jokes, <laughs> you might be the butt of the joke. But uh, anyway, it's it's been fun for my over-the-road guys who are listening. Thank you guys. Drive safe out there. And do me a favor. If you're an over-the-road guy, and, and I've done a couple road trips lately and, and all this other stuff, don't pull in the left lane because you're you're following nose to tail with your buddies and you start to go up a hill and the guy in front of you can't do it as well as and, and as soon as we get to the hill one of you just pulls in the left lane and blocks everybody hate it it's like stay out of my lane you're a truck driver you got all day you're getting paid to sit in that truck i'm not give me my lane and let me go fast i like going fast I don't like getting stuck behind a truck that jerks out in front of me at the last second because the guy, they're, they're, you're in a convoy and the guy in front of you can't lead because he goes too slow. I mean, honestly, 52 miles an hour in the left lane when the speed limit's 80. Are you kidding me? Ugh, it drove me nuts when I was on that trip. <laughs> Speaking of trips, how often do you guys... Driving down the road, you know, I'm driving to see Glenn Seekins or I'm gliding down to Texas or I'm driving wherever the heck. It's like, oh, that would be a great range. 
Oh, that would be a great range. Oh, what would that be like if it was a range? Oh, I'd love to have that land as a range. Oh, look at the land right there. That would be a great range, right? Do you guys do that too when you're sitting in the truck, like looking at everything going, oh man, that would be a great range because that's what I do all day. All righty. Okay, guys, this has been Frank from Sniper Side. Come on over to the forum. Uh, we're, we're definitely in growth mode. Uh, I just got a, a, a reply from somebody, one of the companies, uh, a pretty big one, and they did a, uh, a survey in... Uh, 6,500 or 65,000, I don't know, but the the number one place to get your information on buying, researching is forums. And that came from them and not me. So they had called me up and they're like, we just did a survey online to find out where shooters are getting their information. And the number one response was forums. So we want on board. Absolutely, dude. Give me a call. Alrighty. Okay, guys, this is Frank. I'm signing off. Have a great one and enjoy.